God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen, he doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. So here I am, listening to the latest podcast, and you guys are just whining and whining about how I'm not getting any love on your little hotline here. So I thought that I would call you guys up and keep you company for a little while by um, sharing with you that the Concordia Theological Seminary's Cantorai actually has a recording of um, the Tadaean uh, put to host on their album from a few years back called, well, Tadaean. And it is beautiful. Well, I'm already kind of worn out keeping you guys company, so I'm going to go back to my God Whisperer's drinking game. Um, that's where every time Benofrio says, um, mm, eh, you take a drink. And every time um, Pastor Swirl offends me, I take a drink. Well, take care, God bless, and keep up the great work. Bye. Welcome to the God Whisperers. Oh, there it goes again. The program for drunken sots everywhere. What in the world is going on now? It just keeps going over and over Boy, again. Boy, it got stuck in an endless loop. Hey, I'm Craig D'Onofrio. Yeah, and I'm Bill Swirla. And we... <laughs> that was wild. That was great. Makes Skype all the worthwhile, doesn't it? I don't recommend that drinking game because you are just going to be <laughs> under the that table. Guy's, that guy is already three sheets to the wind. That's not good. Hey, if you want to call you us, gotta, leave, you got to love the fan base. I'm telling you. <laughs> if you want to call and leave a message for the God Whisperers, uh, it doesn't even have to be a good one, as we've proven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can do it by calling area code 626-593-7713 or... Manly Doctors 13. That's right. Manly Love Doctors 13. Godwhispers at gmail.com for our email and godwhispers.com for our podcast mothership. Podcast mothership. Well, if you really want Nerve to go Center. to mothership, go to piratechristianradio.com. My, my me.com account, which is now half full. There's going to come a time when I'm going to be evicted or I have to spend more money. I, I, how, how many... Megabytes or gigabytes? Gigabytes. You get, with that? Uh, you get a lot, but it's ninety nine bucks. Well, who knows? We'll, and, we'll uh, start asking for contributions when we have to <laughs> shell out some money. Well, actually, I've got I've got my uh, my my congregation web guy and general tech wizard. Uh, he's he's setting us up with new digs as we speak. So I need one of those. We're uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be set up with some serious digs. You can subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. iTunes. Just go to iTunes. I love and plug I in. love the iTunes. Type in podcast. God Whispers and tell it to download it every time a new one comes up and. Most Mondays you'll get one, and the occasional Monday you won't. <laughs> well, yeah, all depends on what what you know ungodly hour of the morning you uh, send that stuff. Well, yeah, you that's... are a night owl, man. Well, the thing is, I come home from church and I take like a two hour nap, Power nap. and then I'm wired until two thirty in the morning. Yeah, which is just deadly. So yeah, I'm kind of I'm lazy and distracted most Mondays, and so yeah. at some point I get around to. Uh, re-editing that and putting the podcast up and it's actually gotten a lot simpler with fios and the new iweb uh with with the new uh that came with with all the new um leopard versions of leopard so it's really good i work no iweb iHome. 
<laughs> you know, what, what is it that uh, iWeb's part of? Uh, iWeb it's, is, it's not iWork. It's iHome, is it? With Garage iLife. And iLife. iLife. That's it. It's, it's the, it's, which sounds a lot like High Life, which is what our friend there is drinking. Miller <laughs> High Life. That's you know, he, uh, he, he puts in a little plug for the uh, Contourize uh, CD recording. Apparently, they have the, the, uh, that Holst, um, that Te Deum paraphrase. Yeah. Steve, it's a Stephen Starkey paraphrase. I forgot the number. It's in the 900 section. Well, I didn't know it was Stephen Starkey. He ordained me. Seriously? Yeah, he was vice president, first vice president no in the kidding. New England district. I mean, he's a major name in, in the Lutheran service book. Yeah, he's a heck of a guy, too. Yeah, decent poet. But, but uh, he, had, he has a, 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 a hymnic paraphrase of the Te Deum, and it's set to uh, Holst's, uh, uh, it's, it's the Jolly Jupiter. <laughs> I think so, something like that. But it's, it's from the planets. Um, yeah, my wife thought that it was awfully strange that she's an organist, as you know. Well, she, she's a true music aficionado yeah right? so she thought she, it was strange that one of the planets would end up in our hymnal but yeah well i had a, a guy with a i've got a guy in my congregation has this really dry sense of humor and, and he was one of our youth counselors the san antonio and and he said he said i was reliving those days when i used to worship jupiter <laughs> <laughs> I go, what <laughs> but you know i'm kind of musically dense I, I i listen to lots of things and i know very little about any of them so culturally i'm just out out to lunch. If you tell me that that tune was written by some deist uh, worshiping Jupiter or something, uh, you know, it wouldn't mean a thing to me. It's just, it's either cool or it's not cool. That's, that's how I decide things. It wouldn't be the first time that the church took something and made it sacred. <laughs> well, you, you know that, you know, the, the, you know, the hymn, what wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul, my yeah, soul. Yeah. That's one of those. It, it, the tune is set to a tune that comes from a little um, shape note hymn book called Southern Harmony. Hmm. which was a collection of tunes, not text, just tunes, uh, brought to America by Welsh, Irish, uh, English um, immigrants. It has that flavor, yeah. Yeah, it, well, Amazing Grace, that we sing that tune, that, that's also in that family. You know, sometimes you look at the bottom of the hymnal, you'll see Southern Harmony. Hmm. Um, but uh, the, the funny thing is that tune, you know, What Wondrous Love Is This, O My Soul, uh, actually was a, a tune about uh, the pirate Captain Kidd. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I have, a, I have a blog note on that. It's hilarious. Or, or think of like, uh, what child is this? Right. I mean, it's green a, sleeves. Yeah, green sleeves. Whatever that's about. That's some kind of love. That's it's about a love. Someone ballad. whose sleeves are green. I, thought. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, we we do that, and opinions vary as to whether that's a good idea or not. Uh, but this whole Te Deum was actually that was one of the big hits of of the, our two higher things youth conferences, and uh, it's going up on our website. We we have we have high quality digital live recordings from the Calvin College worship uh, services that uh, the great guys at Calvin College gave us. Just handed us these. CDs on the way out. We didn't even know they were doing this. Hmm. And uh, they recorded all of our worship services. And worship service, of course, is a redundancy, but I'm just using it. And uh, um, and so we have like like two dozen hymns. If you really want to get redundant, you could say worship service liturgy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but it, it, it's a really great gift, but but we're slowly, we got we got the, the rights to uh, put that up uh, nice. for MP3 Good. download and yeah. stuff on the higherthings.org website. So if you, if you look under, uh, I think it's under conferences and just look at SOLA 2009, 
over the next few weeks, a lot of the music from that conference is going to be appearing as CPH gives us permission. Yeah, that's nice that CPH would be cooperative like that. Well, it's a nice ad for LSB. You know, all the worship, all the hymns come right out of the hymnal, and, and it gets full credit. So. You said LSB, and I heard LSD at first. I'm no, like, LSB, the <laughs> Lutheran service book, not yes. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Right, right. Picture yourself in a boat on a river. No, never mind. No, there we go. It's over. It's over. <laughs> I'm having a flashback. So today we're talking about baptism. Nice. Article, what is it, 9? Article 9, nine Augsburg Confession. Right. And uh, as I was telling Swirla before the program here, this is the one that kept me out of the Lutheran Church for a couple of years. Why don't we read this that last, and explore? I want to to fall. Let's read that and explore the comment. All right. Um, Latin text? <clears throat> Is that the top or the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> That's the, you know, by Article 28, we'll have this nailed. We'll have it figured out. Uh-oh. Our churches teach that baptism is necessary for salvation, that the grace of God is offered through baptism, and that children should be baptized for, baptized, comma, <laughs> for being offered to God through baptism. They are received into his grace. Our churches condemn the Anabaptists who reject baptism of children and declare that children are saved without baptism. That's an interesting phrase there. That's the Latin text, by the way. Um, Being offered to God. That's a very interesting interesting phrase that in baptism, the children are being offered to God. You know, I find it ironic that uh, what what do the Baptists do in place of baptism for the babies? Dedication. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, baptism is the proper dedication. You know, if you want to look at it from below, uh, they're being offered to God. Not the chief direction, but I find that a curious phrase, and and I don't have a ready explanation for it. Um, The German text said, it is taught among us that baptism is necessary and that grace is offered through through it. Children, too, should be baptized from baptism. Oh, they are committed to God. Same mm. thing. Mm. Offered to God, committed to God, and become acceptable to him, suggesting that apart from baptism, they are not inherently acceptable to Interesting. him. Interesting. Uh, on this account, the Anabaptists who teach that infant baptism is not right are rejected. Eh. And uh, Anabaptist, of course, means to baptize again. And it referred to the practice of taking those who had been baptized, you know, in what would be called the Catholic Church as infants, uh, and baptizing them again as as confessing, professing adults. I heard John MacArthur uh, talk about this once. That uh, uh, this this was a uh, radio recording of a baptismal service at his church up in. I think he's in Van Nuys, is he? Or he's up in the valleys. Yeah, he's up there somewhere. Um, but uh, some woman would. They all, everybody gave their personal testimonial before they were baptized, and this woman said, "I was baptized as an infant in the Lutheran Church." So my ears perked up. Now this was about. I'm going to have to place this somewhere in the 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 early. 1980s. I remember it distinctly because I was driving to work, and uh, my my working uh, you know after school was 1980 to 86 when I was working as a chemist, and so I remember I remember this very very clearly. But MacArthur says on this, the Lutheran Church is one of those false sacramental churches. Hmm. And uh, that's good to so, know. So we were lumped in with the Catholic, the Catholic Church, and we were one of those false 
sacramental churches. And that was the first time, you know, I, I'm a lifer Lutheran. That was the first time that I ever heard um, a direct attack of the teaching of the church I grew up in. You know, just on, I, I didn't listen to Christian radio much, but I was fascinated by MacArthur because he used Greek. He would quote Greek in part of his, in his teaching and his preaching. Uh, then I learned Greek, and I learned that he wasn't always doing all that, that great at it, and, or that he wasn't doing anything that any first-year Greek student couldn't do, uh, you know, at the seminary if they'd done their homework properly. Right. And and knew, how to, knew how to use the Greek tools, you know. Well, yeah, and, and most of these guys, they have their Strong's Concordance and, and a few other things, and they don't even really know Greek. Yeah, I don't doubt just that. just look up some Greek I don't stuff doubt that there. MacArthur knows. I think I mean, he does. You know, yeah, he's, he's written all guy. these commentaries right. and stuff. But, but I'd never heard my church, the church I grew up in, called one of those false sacramental churches before because we baptize infants. I, I heard another pastor on the radio say that the Lutheran church is a cult because we worship the cross. <laughs> that's, just, that's just nuts. <laughs> that's reaching. We, that's we reaching, worship the one on the cross. That's reaching into the mud and throwing it to see what will stick against yeah. the wall. Yeah. I, I think that his, uh, his credibility went down a little bit after yeah, that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, slight cred, cred uh, vacuum. So baptism is necessary for salvation. That, this is where we start. It's necessary for salvation. Now, you know, I'm immediately given to uh, go to Mark 16. What is that? 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Um, certainly, baptism is salvific in this text, but it doesn't say whoever is not baptized will be condemned. Yeah, it's one of the oddest asymmetrical sentences, right? right. It surprises you for its lack of symmetry. You know, are we going to get into those numbers? What are they? No, 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 no. <laughs> Bob, and, and, Bob, Bob Myers numbers. I'm, I'm not, no, it's not the Fibonacci. Fibonacci. Numbers. That's the, it. What did you did you get like an email or something yeah, on that? Yeah, yeah. He gave me a link to uh, some <laughs> a primer on Fibonacci numbers in case we got bored. I could try these out on you. <laughs> nice. The Fibonacci numbers are really cool, and 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 anybody who doesn't know what they are should look them up. Uh, just the wiki article is really good. The Wikipedia yeah, article yeah. is is quite good on on that, and and marvel at at the symmetry in nature. It's it's uh, quite quite fascinating. I don't get it personally, but I don't get a lot of stuff, so that's okay. Well, you should look at look up a Google thing on the Fibonacci uh, sequence or series and nature, and just look at the pictures where they show how this this ratio. It's roughly uh, eight to five or one one point six something like that, but it's something that just looks good to our eye. And it's found all over nature, shells, flowers. Hot chicks. No, well, there, there may be, I mean, you'd have to kind of do some <laughs> ratio work there, but, uh, you know, we, we can research that at some point. But, but you know, some people actually think it's God's fingerprint in, 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 in the cosmos, even, even like the big nebula with their, their uh, you know, their, their spiral the structure, the, mm-hmm. the, the, their, the ratio of that spiral is, is the Fibonacci number, numbers. Who's Fibonacci? Uh, I don't know. Some Italian guy. I don't, you should know that. <laughs> some Italian mathematician, I'm sure. Anyway. Uh, Baptism of babies. The, the, the asymmetrical text here. Um, yeah, whoever does not believe. You know, it, it basically says that baptism apart from faith gets you nowhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I just chafe at this, at the language well, used here. something a little talcum powder. Can't take I, care I of. I need my gold bond. Um <laughs> 
and and it's just the verbiage, and I understand what they're saying, and I agree with what they're saying. It's just wait, that, wait, 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 wait. Who's they? I mean, that, you're quoting Melanchthon here. Oh, okay, you're Melanchthon now in in the in the Augsburg Nine here. Yeah, is that baptism is ne- is necessary for salvation? But then our theologians go one further and they say, well, baptism is necessary, but not absolutely necessary. Well, that's not one further. That's a qualifier. Well, I just think that it's crazy talk. I, I, think, I think the— and, and I realize that you're hard-pressed to really say what, what we're reading here in 1616, but— Okay, let, let, let me give you the hypothetical and see how crazy you get. I mean, so you have somebody who— uh, you got a family, have a baby, yeah. Uh, coming to church, yeah. Uh, have a car wreck. They're they're gonna the baby's gonna be baptized that Sunday. They have a car wreck, uh, and uh, father and child are killed. What mm-hmm. do you what do you tell the mother about the eternal uh, the eternal uh, prospects here of this child that was on the way to baptism, but. Uh, well, see, that's very problematic now, isn't it? Because <laughs> for, for you, <laughs> yeah, because the baby didn't have a chance to go forward in an altar call, or <laughs> it's, got, it's not on the it, table no, here. But okay, it's it's committed, offered to God in baptism, right? He or she. Let's and, not call babies its. Well, it you know it I, is is it a gender as, gender just, neutral. Just as an aside, I don't know if you're talking about a boy baby or a girl. Yeah, baby. that's right. But but just as an aside. We we wouldn't do that with with humanoids though with 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 adult humans. But just as a side, actually, there are some that I would. I heard a cool Michael ar- Jackson. Is I a heard good a case. cool argument from a young, <laughs> a very young parent to be. Okay. For knowing the sex of the child from a sonogram. All right. I, I'd never heard this before, and and since I don't have children, you know, I I have no no kid creds whatsoever, and so so I just accept whatever parents tell me. Is uh, but but this person who is this is a first time their first child, and uh, and and this person he is the father said we really like knowing the sex of the child because now we can refer to her hmm. as she. Well, see, but the problem here falls back on you because you didn't give me a gender. You didn't say a baby boy or baby girl. Okay. So, well, let's let's so def- let's if if you want to define what this baby is, then let's I can... make her a girl. Okay. Okay. So, baby girl <laughs> going to be baptized and car wreck, horrible car, car wreck. wreck, terrible, car wreck. terrible thing, and it happens. And and so so father and daughter die tragically in been in church through the pregnancy etc cetera, etc cetera, and 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 oh maybe maybe birth, not uh, no no it was a difficult pregnancy and and she was laid up most of the time so did no. you visit pastor uh yeah but you know me uh, you know i'm just i'm just you know i'm, I'm not real good at that <laughs> stuff um you know the, yeah. I, you know the 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 case that i make and and i make this case for <laughs> for do you need music for this da 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 dum ba dum Da 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 da! Little tap wow, dancer. I'm insulted right now. <laughs> I'm really insulted. Go ahead. No, but the case that I make for pregnant women is: be in church, be in the presence of uh, presence of the word, be you know all about the word, because something like this could happen. Are you and arguing some kind of uh, mystical let me pre- finish. pre-lingual let effectiveness me of the word? Let me finish. We know that God's word will not return void. And we know also that that babies learn the voices of their parents, even from the womb, and so they can learn the voice of their heavenly Father certainly from the womb. Now, but by that same token, I should be able to I should be able to worship in I should be able to worship in Chinese. No, not knowing Chinese. 
No, because but, the but word is always effective. Here's even here's, if I don't understand a blessed syllable of it. Well, perhaps. Oh. You know, may, maybe the Lord will provide uh, you ears to hear in Chinese. I don't okay. know. Stranger things have happened. Mm. But so why the Pentecost, why the Pentecost experience then? It could happen the other way also. Mm. Why are you limiting God? Mm. And that's where we're going with this, isn't it? Why are you? <laughs> so anyway, my my statement would be that. God loves this child more than you or I could. Uh, and God, Jesus died for this child, but there is no sure promise of salvation. I wouldn't say it quite like that. That's pretty harsh. Um, and so this is why we do baptize babies. But, you know, to to answer your question, I can't necessarily look that person in the eye and say, your child is a child of God who has received that promise in baptism. Hmm. I can say your child is a child of God who has received the promise of a Savior. Yeah, you can't invoke baptism because it's not on the table to invoke. Right. Right. So where do you go with that? Um, I, I go with the universal universal grace of God in Christ Jesus, that right. uh, that child is embraced in the death of Christ, um, and uh, and... That's basically it. That's pretty God much is, what I said. God is merciful, and uh, we are not given You're to sitting over there judging me. And you say the same thing in different. <laughs> but words. you see, now, but by 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 this this line of reasoning, okay, you you are qualifying the necessary, and 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 I think I I think that's why I I actually think that the way the confessions say it is is a little bit it's 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 a little bit too tight, and and it would. It could be misunderstood as limiting God in what He can do. Okay. So we're yeah, that's right. We're bound to baptism. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Right. You know, or if you don't like uh, longer endings of Mark, then you know, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Peter at Pentecost. Now, no right. matter where you look, in fact, that's one of the things. No matter where you look in the Scriptures, baptism is always salvific. Mm-hmm. That's something. That's something I really like to emphasize with people who have doubts about baptism. Look up every single passage in the Bible that that talks about baptism, and it's always in the context of being salvific. Right. So, so you know, in that sense, we're bound to it. God is not bound. See, these I, are means He's put at our disposal. These are not. The, he does. He is not so tied down. And and I would readjust the question that you asked to to be this. Um, say a guy who's 23 years old, hears the word of God, receives it with great joy, and is on his way to church to be baptized. And he drives off a cliff and dies. Now what do you say? Was that suicide or... Uh... Not not on purpose. Truck ran him off the road. Is a malicious... Um, was the uh, driver thing. drunk or speeding or what was the nature of that? Uh, um, it, it, blowout. Was, was the driver... There, there was a blowout. Was the driver blowout. speeding uh, at the time? The, um, the driver was on cocaine. He was out of his mind, oh. but he was long haul. Did he curse know, as he was going over the? Uh... Absolutely, yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love hypotheticals? <laughs> yes, he was yeah. cursing, but he did not use the Lord's name in vain. He was cussing, but not necessarily cursing. Oh, okay. So he's just being crude. Yeah, dropping a few f bombs. But but he was but he yeah. was high on cocaine. No, no, no. I thought you were saying the trucker. Oh. No, no, he was, the driver was high on crystal meth, the trucker was high on cocaine. I'm so confused. <laughs> you know, the, the ancient church had a, a notion of baptism by blood. 
Um, and that was if you were martyred before your, your baptism, because there's a long catechumenate and the right. chances of being martyred were actually at some times, at some periods. Yeah, three for, years before you were baptized. Yeah, your, your chances of, of getting martyred were pretty darn good. And so if you didn't make it, you know, they, they talked about a baptism by blood, that, 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 that martyrdom was kind of like a, it was, it was sort of an exceptional baptism. Is that where that phrase comes from? I don't know. Could be. It could be baptism by fire. Or my blood, yeah, but but they saw this as as kind of another way of baptism. I think there too is is an attempt to um, reconcile two two things, and and this is this is the paradox, or this is this is the thing that we have to kind of keep juggling all the time. God's universal grace in Christ that that He is the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world in His death, and this. <coughs> This fact that salvation, this grace, comes to us personally, mm-hmm. and uh, and and so, but the, the these two things are just kind of intention. So I don't I don't fault the the later Lutheran dogmaticians for basically qualifying that and saying ordinarily that is from our perspective we are bound to baptism. You can't make it an option. You can't use that ordinarily as optional. Right. Okay. Um, on the other hand, uh, the, the uh, absolutely shuts the door tight as a drum to uh, to anybody who's not baptized, whether you know their own fault or not. Right. Um, and and so so it gives it gives God room to be God, and yet it ties men to the Word of God. And I think that's that's ideally where you want to be. So we agree that the verbiage here. Uh, there may not be a better way to say it, but it isn't exactly complete in, in the whole concept. Yeah, how do you ever nail it down? Yeah. Uh, yeah, clearly, clearly, what's in view are the Anabaptists, right? Who are denying the efficacy of baptism. They're denying that infants even need baptism, right? And they're denying that baptism really is our work. It's some, they are, they, that it's God's work. They're just treating it as something that 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 we do. And uh, that if it's done on an infant, it's not it's not valid. It has it, it's just not a baptism at all. So they they would anabaptize. They would baptize again, right? And that's what we're rejecting. So I think that's shaping the whole article because this has no controversy between Lutherans and Catholics. No, not well. The only controversy there would be in other other places where we talk about. Baptism washing away original sin or actual sin, right? Or, what it you know, what it does, yeah, yeah, that's that's right. And the extent to which sin is washed away, or what the, what does this mean? Yeah, there's conversation there, right. but but that infants should be baptized, and that this is this is you know a salutary thing. Nobody's arguing, right? Luther, I believe, was was baptized the day of his birth. Saint Saint Martin's Day, <laughs> Martin of Tours was. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, um, but. Um, Dad would just take him from the home to the, you know, directly to the church and get the priest and baptize him. That's it. Not waiting for a Sunday, not waiting for Aunt Minnie to come from Ulm, you know. They didn't or have to fly like. anyone in for yeah, this. Yeah, right. You know, it's just, <laughs> this had to be done. And they had, a, they had a vivid sense of this because a lot of babies didn't make it. Yeah. 
and and that but uh you know and and the the trouble if you get into the absolutes then you start getting into that speculation about limbo you know the 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 place of the the unbaptized it's you know can't can't throw them in hell that wouldn't be right but uh can't didn't quite make it to heaven so we'll make a little nice place for them call it limbo you put them in limbo gotta be real careful when we try to put god in a box you know like that and just it, when we define god we we sometimes get in a lot of trouble we need to take a break Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I am Bill Swirla. Himself. Himself. None of them. Before the break, I uh, told you we were going to talk a little bit about the history of baptism and, and that sort of thing. Uh, it's interesting that in the early church, we do seem to have some recollections or some tellings of baptism. And some people actually go as far as Polycarp, who was a disciple of St. John, apparently. Uh, there's a little speculation on that, but I think he was. He said so. Yeah. And, well, is it the St. John, I guess, is a speculation. But regardless. Yeah, a lot of Johns floating around. But Polycarp think... alludes that he's something like 80 years old, and for 80 years I've served my Lord, and right. so forth and so on. And so people insinuate that from that we get that Polycarp was baptized as an infant. Uh, is that a fair—do you think that's a fair assumption to make there? I mean, since it, he doesn't say I was baptized 80 years ago or anything like that. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, obviously you're reading some things into that, um, but he doesn't, he doesn't refer to any other um, event. He doesn't refer to his baptism, per okay. se. Right. And it would make sense. He's, second, he's a second generation, maybe even third, by then third generation uh, Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, he's probably, uh, he, you know, he's, he's going to have... Uh, if anybody's likely to be baptized as as an infant, it would be him. You, you don't read much about infant. You, you read. You have to imply infant baptism by practice in the New Testament when whole households are being baptized. Right. Uh, but you know, it really isn't until the second generation that the issue then is going to come up. Well, what do you do with the children of Christians? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just seems think... seems to me, and and I don't see arguments like this, but it seems to me that it, it'd be like a no brainer for Christians <laughs> because you know if they were if they were if they had been Jews, they understood that circumcision was done on on eight day old boys, and this was not a matter of choice or anything like that. You know, you were born and signed into the covenant. So so by analogy, the, this would have been a no brainer to them. Right, right. And and we see a correlation between baptism and circumcision in Colossians and, and other places. But um That's not the I mean that's not the chief argument for no. baptizing infants, but it seems to me that the, the second generation of Christians would would not have balked at the idea. Well okay, that brings up an interesting point also that if babies were being baptized and there was a problem with this, wouldn't we be seeing writings in the early church saying, yes. stop that abomination? Right. You know, and the funny thing is you, you will see people uh, in the third century questioning baptism of infants, and it revolves around an understanding of repentance. The right. idea is that the, 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 the real concern was, what about sins after baptism? 
Right. And, and and so, you know, you had people delaying their baptism till literally the end of their life, the last possible moment. And and there you begin to see people asking questions. But when they're asking questions about that, they are talking as though the baptism of infants was pretty much of a commonplace, that it was the ordinary practice. Right. Uh, Tertullian's one person who talks about this, and he, he talks as though he understands that baptism has a great effect towards salvation— but the problem is, what do you do with the salvation now that you have it? If you need to maintain your salvation by good works or something like that along the way, then infants are not in a place of responsibility to be baptized. But it's not that he argues against an, the efficacy. Rather, he argues with a bad understanding of sanctification. Or or perhaps a, a, a too narrow understanding of what baptism actually entails that he's seeing baptism as an isolated work rather than an ongoing way of life. This is one of the great things of Luther and and the Lutheran confessions. Baptism is not just a one-time event in a Christian's life. Baptism is a daily identity. It has daily significance. There's daily power in baptism. Mm. Uh, it's the the daily drowning of the sinful nature in Adam and the daily rising of the new man in Christ, and so this duality of being sinner saint is played out on a in a daily way in baptism. So baptism is much more than just a date somewhere in your past history, uh, but it is your identity before God. As you know, you don't say I was baptized; you say I am baptized. It's interesting, before I was a Lutheran, I said this earlier, that this is the one that kept me out of this church for a long time. Lord's Supper, I kind of came to grips with that one pretty easily, because uh, how can Jesus be present here? Well, if he's present, if he's God, he's present everywhere, so why not here? Oh, okay, that works. Um, But in baptism, I had grown up, as most evangelicals have, that baptism is something that we do. Uh, we're making our confession of faith in baptism. I'm coming out and making a big proclamation that I am a Christian, and I'm doing this, and and we, we would say things like it's an outward sign of an inward work and, and these sorts of things. And so really my problem was I misunderstood who was doing the work in baptism. I didn't realize that it was a work of God instead of a work of man. And it's very interesting that when you start to read about baptism in the Bible, you find that baptism is usually in a passive tense, that you are being baptized or have been baptized. Yeah, you are the object of baptism. Right. You're not getting baptized and and things like that, uh, but, in, but it's of, happening to you. Right. Instead of go and get yourself baptized, it mm-hmm. was, you know, be baptized and mm-hmm. so forth and so on. So th- this is one of the places where all of this starts to make more sense is that we, when we see that God is the one working salvation and God has established various means that he's promised to work through, we don't have to understand exactly how. We just under, have to understand that. And so we just say, God's working here. And he's the one that's doing the verbs. Yeah, I think, I think the, there's, there's basically just, it boils down to two things. What, what do you believe about every human being? in terms of their status before God, as, as basically heirs of Adam's sin, as, as uh, you know, people who are born into the sin, death, destruction, the damnation of Adam. 
Uh, and does that apply to every child? You know, David can say, in sin was I born, and in iniquity did my mother conceive me. Uh, and, and, and so he, he claims his sinfulness uh, even in the womb from conception. Uh, if that's true of David, is that then true of all? Uh, that's the, the, the original sin thing. Hmm. And, and then the second thing is in baptism, who's, who's doing the work? Uh, if it's we who are doing, doing the heavy lifting... If baptism is our confession, if baptism is our doing, then yeah, you ought to know what you are doing. You ought to know what this is about, and you ought to know how to handle what you're doing. If it's God's work, then you need to be on the receiving end of it. But, and uh, I liken it to, to um, when a baby's born, a lot of times families give a, a, a you know, like a T-bill or some kind of a, some kind of a, a money thing that that grows and matures in time, and this is this is uh, given to the child uh, before the child knows an inkling about money or anything like that. But it's very much in the child's possession. The child grows up, learns about money, learns how to use it, and then is able to draw on that gift. But that gift belonged to the child the whole time. What about an age of accountability? Where where, where does the age of accountability fit into this? Well, first of all, what is what is an age? What 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 age are we talking about here? And accountability to whom for what? <laughs> I, I had a when I was doing radio in Connecticut, I had a thousand dollar offer on the table. Anyone who could show me an age of accountability in the Bible, that's right. Yeah, I'll give you a thousand bucks. And I've read the Bible through several times, and I know it ain't there. Well, you know, th- there is a certain sense where, it, as we have in our legislation, that that children are not necessarily tried before the court of law as adults. Okay. Okay. And so there is an age beyond which, uh, there's an age at which you are considered an adult and legally responsible for your actions. But that's that's horizontal. That's civil. Right. Uh, there, you, you don't, you're right. I mean, you don't see anything where all of a sudden it's like the God accountability turns on. It's your 12th birthday and now you're God accountable. Right. You we, know? we sinned with Adam. Right. And, and the little baby in the womb, guess what? Sinned with Adam. Yes, that's right. <laughs> sinned with Adam. Sinner. I mean, even though, even though in terms of actual sins, completely innocent. Though not for long, um, nonetheless, sinner. The, the, the one's identity is in Adam. Have you ever seen a creature that's more turned in on itself than a baby? <laughs> well, don't, I mean, you know, the, the, that argument can. Uh, of yeah, I'm upsetting mommies out there now. But I understand, it, that. but that, but that's it's helpless. The child well, is yeah, helpless. Yeah, but it's all about me. I'm okay. hungry. I have a poopy in my diaper. I'm tired. I'm cranky. I want attention. I want see. It, you know, it, it's it's it's, very, it, it's an inward existence, and we're born that way. It's a it's a mixed bag because sometimes, and Augustine confessed this in his confessions that sometimes he cried because he was hungry, sometimes he cried because he was wet, and sometimes he cried just to see who would come. Right, and it's a mixed bag because you can't tell. But but when you when you see even a, the, the the tiniest little infant kind of exerting his or her will, that, mm-hmm. that that's the interesting moment is when you see the will of the child set against the will of the parent. You know, the parent wants it to go to sleep. The child does not want to go to sleep right. and, and will clench his or her fists and turn red and do everything possible not to go to sleep because it's his will that I will not sleep. It's, you know? it's amazing how you have to teach children not to lie. 
instead of how to lie. <laughs> yeah, lying comes naturally. It, you know, it's amazing that as we grow up from the very time that we can walk, we're given a little violence, you know, maybe hitting the cat with a stick or whatever. From the time that we can talk, you know, we have to be told not to lie <laughs> right. and these sorts of things. Uh, you know, an age of accountability is a bunch of hooey. We are sinners, and we do it quite well and quite freely and quite naturally. As, as with the concept with free will, you know, in baptism, we're asked this question by our Anabaptist friends is, well, where does free will come into play here? Uh, what about my will, my free will to accept or reject God? What about my free will to seek him out and my free will uh, to invite Jesus into my heart and my free will to do all these things? You have no free will. Uh, you are only free to reject the gift that's given. You aren't free to go out and seek Jesus. Yeah, the idea is we're not sitting in neutral. Right. So which way is it going to be? Is it going to be devil or going to be Christ? You know, are you in or are you out? Uh, we're not in limbo. No. Yeah, that's kind of Baptist limbo, I suppose, is people who haven't made the decision one way or another yet. Right. Um, and and the, the whole concept of free will is that that, that becomes kind of a – it becomes like a hornet's nest of, mm-hmm. of things because – um, obviously, we have the freedom to exercise horizontally. We can choose to get married or not married. We can choose to buy Ford or Chevy or Toyota. You know, so we have we have those things. Um, we we have control over our actions, and uh, that we we don't operate just by instinct. Um, but on the other hand, the, the point is spiritually before God, we we lack that righteousness, holiness, purity that uh that puts us into the proper relationship with God and that's not something that we can choose that we can't choose to have the God relationship and that, and that's really you know that's the crux of it is that God has to reach us and God desires to reach us and right. God wants to reach all uh you know and that's you know probably the bottom line for infant baptism for for Lutherans is what Melanchthon says he says it's necessary to baptize children so that the promise of salvation might be applied to them according to Christ's command and he refers to Matthew 28:19 baptize all nations you know and so just as there the, just as their their salvation is offered to all so baptism is offered to all men women children and infants therefore it clearly follows that infants should be baptized because salvation is offered with baptism that's the strongest argument you know is. what the great commission was when i was growing up hmm. go and preach to all nations preach to all nations yeah. it's kind of kind of proclaim the gospel to everyone well, see, and a lot of times, a lot of times, it's 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 due to a misunderstanding of, of that that that's a sequence of events. That is, you you um, you disciple, make disciples, you baptize two, you teach three, you know that kind of, or, and you go one right, a, right. <laughs> rather than recognizing that the mandate is to disciple, and the means are baptizing and teaching. Right. Yeah. Um, disciples are bapti- baptizing catechumens for life. That's yeah. what disciples are. Well, that's right. And and the fact is that, that one's baptism does not come into its fullness until you die and rise. Mm-hmm. So so baptism, again, baptism is not a one-time deal that happens some point, although it does happen in time and place. But baptism is an ongoing work of God. One of the things that I think is, is harmful is some of the translations of our Bibles— uh, in Matthew 28 there, in the Great Commission, there is no and between baptism and teaching. 
In the Greek. Yeah, in the Greek. And, and, but most of the English translations, the NIV does this and a lot of other ones, it says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. Now, let's take a survey. RSV... A lot of people see this as no a, as a either-or kind of proposition because of that and, you know, and, and it's not. It's just that no the and in the person continues on in the life of it. So RSV and ESV uh, passed the D'Onofrio test, no and. Right. Um, NIV says and. Right. Baptizing and teaching. Let's see what the venerable, nearly infallible, King James says. It mm. says, uh, um, hmm. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. See now what it, it takes the math mathe the discipling verb and says teach. Mm-hmm. Baptizing them, semicolon, teaching them. Hmm. So teach, teach, but see that's misleading because the verb is different. Um the verb is different the second time. The, so the, the, the King James, the King James really sort of bungles. But it the up King here. James isn't off of the Nestle Allen text that the other ones are. Not the. So that's I'm not the issue. If there's a difference that, there. No, 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 no. That's not the issue. The issue is is they want to translate matheteu, discipling as as teaching because huh. because that's the fundamental. That's kind of the content of being a disciple is being a learner, being being a being a follower of a teacher. Uh, but they also have in verse twenty didaskantes, so the part- participle for didasco to teach, mm-hmm. and and they don't make a distinction between the two, which they should. Um, I think a better translation is is just when you have gone, uh, disciple the nations, disciple all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to cling to or hold fast to all things that I have commanded you. Um, but yeah, you're right. The end, the end kind of puts a little bit of daylight there, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it does. And it separates the two. That King James is very telling because I, I think that's probably where the misunderstanding comes in is that first teaching. That uh, yeah, I think it's I think it is the first teaching. That's yeah. where that's where what you heard yeah. comes from, and they changed right. teaching to preaching. Well, yeah, teaching, preaching, because you have to realize in these churches there are no sermons; they're just Bible studies given from the pulpit. Well, it's the, the yeah, part, the primary, so. the the primary impact. Who's giving of the, the message, or what are they teaching on in church? Yeah, and yeah, you know, Melanchthon in in the Apology also offers a second so-called proof in defense of infant baptism, which is sometimes called the church historical proof, and it goes something like this. I, I'll just I'll just read it. He says, secondly. Remember, primarily, he argues from Matthew 28, the very passage you've been talking about. Um, But secondly, it is evident that God approves the baptism of little children. The Anabaptists teach wickedly when they condemn the baptism of little children. That God does approve the baptism of little children is shown by the fact that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who are baptized in this way. Hmm. So it's kind of a proof by result. Uh, For if this baptism were useless, then the Holy Spirit would be given to none. None would be saved, and ultimately there would be no church. This point by itself can effectually confirm good and godly minds against the ungodly fanatical opinions of the Anabaptists. Um, Of course, Anabaptists sometimes argue that the church did uh, disappear and uh, was recovered, you know, <laughs> with them, uh, or, you know, with, with the offshoots of the Radical Reformation and, you know, right. the things like that. But the argument goes something like this. Look, take, take all the famous reformers you want, Wycliffe, Huss, Luther, you know, you name them. Name the great heroes that you, you hold up. All these guys were baptized as infants. Yeah, and, and baptized. Yes, 
They they did baptizing also. I mean, yes, they, they baptized him. Yeah, in fact, uh, probably I would I would I would wager that in Luther's day, the vast majority of baptisms that occurred in the church, you know, those those churches and those towns were were infants born to Christians. But and one of the other things is throughout all of the church today, throughout the world, the vast majority baptize babies. It's a small minority that doesn't. Now you're arguing a majority rules here? No, no, no. Okay. It's just that these churches have their traditions based in history, and these historical denominations, Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, Lutherans, the Calvinists, right. Methodists, you know, these churches all baptize babies, and it, that makes up the bulk of Christianity today. It's actually a small minority that doesn't baptize infants. So this small minority, I guess, are the true Christians, and the rest of us are a bunch of pagans. But I have a question well, for you, Well, it's, it's an American, it's an American um, perspective, though, because uh, what has become, and we've got to recognize this, what, what has become synonymous with Christianity in, in America is Anabaptist evangelical Christianity. Yeah. That's kind of the winner of the, the American competition for the marketplace of religion. <laughs> Um, you know the, but the fact is, worldwide and his, history-wide, that view is very much off on the fringes. That that is the evangelical Baptist perspective. Right. That is is just synonymous with Billy Graham, with uh, all the stuff that you see on on Christian television. That is historically and globally the minority opinion. Now you were baptized as a baby. I wasn't fifth week. So I have to ask you the question, when did you invite Jesus into your heart? <laughs> Daily. You, you don't know the, the exact day and time no. of, of your inviting Jesus? And I, I, like to, I like to tell my evangelical friends, of which I have fewer and fewer every day, that, um, that I know not a, a, a conscious moment when Jesus was not my personal Lord and Savior, you know that this is, this is, this is, this is the the very my very boring te- personal testimonial. Which I, I have, I've said this to somebody. I was on jury duty once and hanging with some guy at lunch, and you know he's all excited. I was a pastor, and and so of course you know we're talking at lunch, and he tells me his testimonial about how he got baptized, uh, and and it, you know it was the kind of the usual evangelical story. Uh, inviting Jesus into one's heart, praying the sinner's prayer, getting baptized and all of this. And, you know, mine is just totally upside down. I was baptized in the fifth week, uh, you know, brought to baptism by my parents who are Christians and have grown up in the church. And I've never, uh, I have no consciousness of being lost and now I'm found. You know, that's why I can't sing that hymn with any degree of integrity because I may have been lost and found, but I have no awareness of this fact. But with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So unless if you stand up and say the sinner's prayer, how are you going to be saved? <laughs> well, it doesn't say anything about praying in there. It just talks about believing and confessing. Well, that's you unbelievers. You yeah, well, you guys are always twisting the scriptures there, right? <laughs> that's a great passage, by the way, because because it, it, the point of that passage is that you can't have your mouth, your confession, divorced from your heart. That right. is your your what you believe, you know, your trust. I always make the point with that one is we confess every week. We say the creed. Absolutely. We stand up and we say, I believe. That's right. I mean, we, we you know, in fact, all the things you have to tweak it a little bit, but all the things that are talked about, we do. But we do it as the course of the Christian life. If we right. dedicate our lives to Christ constantly, you know, and rededicate them. It's called sanctification. Uh, we have altar calls. We come to the altar. We get up out of our seats and we walk down the aisle and we go to the altar and we kneel. 
devoutly and prayerfully to receive the body and blood of Jesus you know, for the forgiveness, for the forgiveness of, our of, our of our sins. Yeah, right. That's right. We confess. We confess not only our sins but our faith. Uh, so you know all these elements are there, but but really what it is, it's the ongoing life of being baptized. I, I more and more, I don't know how you do what you do, but more and more, I like in my sermons to refer to instead of Christians. Christians is a funny term because it has political overtones today too, and and people identify with being Christian even if they never go to church. But I refer to baptized believers. My definition of a Christian is a baptized believer. Hmm. That is one who trusts Jesus Christ as as Savior, one who recognizes that Jesus' death and life are his or her death and life, and one who is baptized into that death and life of Jesus. That's 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 my thumbnail definition of a Christian. Now I'm going to go ahead and continue on with my devil's advocacy here. Oh yeah, you Lutherans, you baptize your babies, and then uh, they what? You're just okay? Then you can go do whatever you want. I mean, what, what do you mean? You can do whatever you've, you've you want. You've been baptized, and so now you can just go sin it up, and and uh, you know you you can go and do whatever you want now, right? Because you've been baptized, so you now have license to uh, to go out and behave like a wretch. So, so who is saying that? Fundagelical Craig. Well, I know, but <laughs> I'm asking you as Fundagelical Craig. Um, whoever said that? What Lutheran ever said that? Or no, where in I'm, the scriptures I'm saying this is say something that? that is often aimed at us. Mm-hmm. That you know, okay, so but that's my response so to that. Been, is is where, where do you get that? Where'd you get that from? I mean, you didn't never hear it from me. I'm a Lutheran I, minister. I saw Pastor D'Onofrio drinking wine and smoking a cigar. No Christian would do that. Well, but see, that's a different. That's a di- <laughs> that's a totally different discussion. Uh, drinking wine in moderation is encouraged, and there's uh, absolutely no nothing about smoking a cigar. You know, <laughs> maybe dumb, but it ain't sinful. You know. <laughs> So I guess really the question behind the question is, uh, being baptized, then you're covered and you don't even have to uh, desire to be a Christian now. And I, I think the Whoa. thing is, there's a, there's a misunderstanding that, yes, there is apostasy in the world today. Yeah. You know, and... and you can walk away from your baptism. Yeah, and they, they don't understand that we believe that. Yes, you can you can certainly you know, give away the gift. There are people who are embracing atheism who want to... They go through a de-baptism ceremony. Yeah, I and, saw that. Did you send and, that to me? Or? We've, we've, we've kind of kicked it around. Yeah. And, and, and actually, they're looking for certificates, de-baptismal certificates. Uh, which I got some bad news, and I got some good news. Uh, well, I don't know if it's good news, but you know, part of it is um, you don't need those certificates. So you've done a nice job walking away from your baptism as it is. Uh, second is you can't erase it like that. Right. When the Lord when the Lord puts His mark on you, He's put His mark on you. This may be kind of upsetting to you at some level. And look, I'm more than if all you want to make make the point that uh, there are fewer Christians in the world, and you don't want your church to count you anymore. Uh, that's fine. We have we have a way of acknowledging that. We call that excommunication. Okay, we'll be more than happy, I suppose, uh, to acknowledge that though you are baptized, you are not a believer because you are not confessing, or you are what you are professing is the unbelief that's in your heart. But I'm sorry, I can't take away your baptism. That's just that's that's a mark God put on but you, Pastor. You can't do that because his aunt is one of the biggest givers in our church, and you don't want to alienate her. So <laughs> well, you can't do that. He's, 
he's probably alienated her a long time ago. In fact, she's probably waiting for somebody besides her to harp on him. So, <laughs> But it's one of those things. It's kind of funny that the, the unbeliever, the atheist, recognizes there's something they want to get rid of. You know, if it was really nothing, then they would just blow the whole thing off and forget about it. In the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's another place, I think it's in Acts, where it says, baptize in the name of Jesus or something like that? Well, there are, there are instances. Well, G, uh, uh, Peter, you know, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, right. And so uh, I guess the question that I would ask, and I know the answer, but, you know, I'm being good guy here. Um, actually, I'm a bad guy. But if people are baptized in the name of Jesus only, do they need to go and be baptized for real? Or is that, <laughs> or is that good enough? Ah. Uh... See, I mean, it goes around to you know what 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 formula do you use? Uh, well, you know, you can't you can't be any better than the Lord's own words. Um, that's a tough one. I'm going to put the punt that one back on you. What, 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 what do you do? Well, Nagel taught us that if the church that you were baptized in is confessing the Trinity when they're confessing Christ, okay, then it's a Trinitarian. Ah, baptism. okay. So you're going to base if it you're on talking the oneness Pentecostal, though. They deny the Trinity, and so now it's questionable. See, but they're, they're, you know, the thing is, I'm not sure the hypothetical works. That's why I was a little bit sort of befuddled, because if you're a church that teaches Trinitarian orthodoxy, you would use the Trinitarian formula for baptism. I can't imagine anybody who, who didn't. The, pe- the people I know who baptize in the name of Jesus only are precisely that second group of uh, of sectarians. You know, the the sort of the Pentecostal uh, fringe groups that uh, um, their whole identity is we're not Roman Catholic. You know, it's like the emergent church. We're not like that church across the street. Yes, you know, you can't have an identity being not something. You have to confess something. Um, I'd really hate to end the show on that note of uncertainty. Let's put it this way. The Lord said, disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe or cling to all I've commanded you. You can't go wrong with that. I'll add an amen to that. We'll see you next time on The God Whispers. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine.